This is the Anglican Perspective Podcast with Canons Phil Ashey and Mark Eldridge of the American Anglican Council. Join us for an in-depth look at building up and defending Great Commission Anglicanism throughout the world by developing faithful leaders, equipping local congregations, and always reforming the church. You can find out more about how we can help you and your churches thrive by visiting www.americananglican.org. Here now is Canon Phil and Canon Mark. Welcome to your Anglican Perspective. Well, welcome to this Anglican Perspectives podcast. We're so glad you've joined us to listen today. And uh, we're especially thankful for all of you who have found this podcast and are listening to it regularly and encourage you to keep doing so and spread the word. And those of you who may be new uh, today listening to this podcast, let me just let you know what the AAC is all about. We're all about building up and defending Great Commission Anglicanism, both in North America and globally. And we do that primarily through three three areas by uh Defend, uh, developing faithful leaders, by equipping local churches, and by always reforming the church, just looking at how the church is constantly under attack by the enemy, both enemies both within and without. And we want to be building up and defending uh, the, the church in, in, in many ways. And so with uh, that point, uh, which is where we'll focus primarily today, although we might get into uh, developing faithful leaders a little bit, I, uh, I, I, if you haven't heard or seen in, in, in the news this weekend, a, a new article has just been, you know, a new brief uh, reports been out there about um, new accusations about another bishop with Todd Ackeson. And, um, and we don't know the details yet, more to come, but uh, I'm here with Canon Phil Ashy, and I just wanted to, to get his uh, thoughts on on that and w- share what he knows about that and see where this conversation goes. So welcome, Ken and Phil. And uh, what, what do you have to say about this new development? Well, good morning, Mark. It's great to be with you and with our audience. Um, so yeah, the, the province um, published an article saying that Bishop Todd Atkinson uh, stepping aside as an assisting bishop in the upper Midwest, which is already um, experienced difficulties with uh, its bishop having to step aside and its bishop's council for um, concerns about the way they handled uh, accusations of sexual misconduct. We don't know what the allegations are against Bishop Todd Atkinson. Um, And I think it's important uh, that we not jump to conclusions uh, about that. You know, in our in our system of justice, uh, both within the church and, you know, within um, common law, we have um, we have presumptions of innocence until proven guilty uh, on the basis of facts, not mere allegations. Uh, We have burdens of proof. We have due process. And I'm, I'm reminded of an article that um, I was pointed to way back in October of 2020 uh, in the case of, uh, you know, responding to what was going on in Pittsburgh at that time called Protect the Accused. It was written by a public defender, a federal public defender, who noted that both um, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Amy Coney Barrett were exactly on the same page, despite great political divide on right and left in protecting the rights of the accused, uh, even when it meant 
that it might make it more difficult for survivors of sexual misconduct in Title IX uh, discrimination cases uh, to, to make their case. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, the, the, the author pointed out that due process is not an issue that ought to pit feminists against anti-feminists or the right against the left. As Ginsburg herself as asserted, such protections are for all. And that's exactly where uh, new Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett has landed in, uh, in some of her work uh, at the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. So uh, th this is an issue uh, that we're having to, to grapple with because some of the Facebook response that I read was, gosh, this is the fourth ACNA bishop. You know, that's uh, uh, that's that's had to step aside. We had Ron Jackson in the Great Lakes. Uh, we had Bishop Jim Hobby from Pittsburgh, uh, Bishop Stuart Ruck in the upper Midwest and now Todd Atkins. And what the heck is going on? Uh, so it, it, it is a, a, a matter of concern. Yeah, I really appreciate you pointing out, though, the uh, innocence until proven guilty. I feel like that's. I think that's uh, often lost and it can be lost in the way things are going right now. So uh, that's good. So we have to wait and see, get more information and hear facts and uh, not jump to conclusions. That's good. So what, what, what do you think? What, yeah, go ahead, Phil. No, you go ahead, Mark. I was, I was going to ask, what do you think? What, what is, what should we as the Anglican church of North America, what should we, we do? What, what's our response to this? Um, how do we not re react, but respond and make this better? I don't know. Just what are your next steps? Yeah. Well, obviously the provincial response team um, is addressing exactly those concerns. Um, you know, I, I look at our constitution and canons and particularly the title four ecclesiastical discipline and canon three describes uh, in great detail, the steps that need to be taken when an accusation is made. And there's really almost two levels uh, of, uh, of scrutiny that need to take place. One is when a bishop receives an accusation, uh, he's got to assess both the credibility of the accuser and the accusation. And that requires certain steps. Uh, it, it requires meeting with the accuser. It requires um, asking questions. Um, it's a good idea to have your chancellor there. It's good to get that accusation in writing. As a matter of fact, we ask for that. Um, so we have some specificity. We have processes in the canons. You know, if the bishop says, well, I'm really not sure if this is rises to what I would consider a serious enough case, you know, the accuser has the right to appeal that right to the standing committee. So we have checks and balances in that system. And then, mm -hmm. you know, if the bishop or the standing committee decide, hey, this has got credibility, this has got feet, then there needs to be a canonical investigation. Um, and that should be an impartial investigation. Uh, it shouldn't be uh, uh, subject to accusations that, you know, it's, it's uh, not impartial, that Right. People doing the investigating are somehow connected uh, favorably to the accused. 
or the accusers or to the bishop or or, or whatever. It, it it should be someone who's competent to uncover what the facts are and and then proceed on the basis of that to you know whether there's a presentment or not. Um, so, Mark, you're about to ask another question. I can, I can. Well, well just, just you're, yeah, you're talking about church discipline, and uh, I don't know, just brings brings to my mind uh, just the fact that we have such robust canons and rules on church discipline that it's built into the DNA of the church. It has to be. So, so what? Obviously, sin is at the root of why we need church discipline, simply put. But but what what is the point of church discipline? I mean, what are we trying to accomplish? Just we got to weed out the bad apples and get rid of them? Or do we want to uh, purify the church and get rid of sinners? Or, 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 you know, what would your give us a lesson on church discipline here? Sure, sure. Well, I go back to something that I've shared with bishops and uh, and also with clergy and dioceses, and that is a 1954 report of the Archbishop of Canterbury and the Archbishop of York's Commission on Ecclesiastical Courts. And they said the purpose of church discipline is to make better disciples. Matter of fact, this is what they said. Discipline in the popular mind stands for the maintenance of good order, the observance of rules, uh, and that rather for their own sake. And they were saying there's not much purpose beyond the order and the observance. But but they went on to say, the archbishops, church discipline means a great deal more than this. The true meaning cannot be adequately appreciated unless we think of it in terms of Christian discipleship. Through its courts, the church exercises discipline over the disciples of Christ in order to make them better disciples. I mean, think about mm-hmm. it. You know, discipline comes from the very root word disciple, right? So, you know, the accusation and, and whatever discipline takes place is meant to help the accused, in this case, a clergy person, a, a, a presbyter or deacon, be a better disciple of Jesus. And if that means removing them from uh, leadership when the disciple is an officer of the church, removing them from office to prevent them from being a hindrance to others in the path of Christian discipleship. So it's got to be both. And, and, you know, as I've said to bishops, I mean, even if you depose a priest or a deacon, Mm -hmm. you know, what are you doing in terms of following up to help them become better disciples? What kind of aftercare, after discipline is there? In that, in those cases, mm-hmm. it's good. Well, I mean, the point of uh, our our life in Christ is to become like Him in every way, and um, yeah. it's that's not it, it, clergy aren't perfected when their hands are laid on them and ordained. They're there's there's still disciple people being discipled and becoming like Christ, and it's not yet perfected. So to to assume that they won't have struggles is, um, you know, false thinking. One of the, one of the, uh, the, my biggest frustrations just in ministry over the years, uh, when trying to grow the church, um, is just how often I, I sense the Lord wanting to do more work to grow me than grow the church, yes. you know? And I was like, Lord, 
why, why are we coming back to trying to grow me some more? Why can't we just focus on getting more people in the church? I mean, you died to save them. Let's just worry about that. And, and often he, he, he was like, well, we'll do that, but you've got some more, more work to do, you know, some more growth to do. And that, that there's a cliche or a common quote that's God's far more interested in our, in our character than our comfort. Yeah. And he just seems to always be wanting to personally speaking, grow my character. And oftentimes that's um, through uh, pain and struggles. And, you know, uh, we don't often, we grow the most through hardship. So again, I guess I'm, I'm bringing that up to say when, if, if anybody in the church uh, has misconduct, has failings, it's painful, but often that's a way that God will uh, bring to the surface those areas that need to be worked on and tra- transformed and chiseled away or burnt out using the refining image or whatever image you want to use, but make us more like him. But again, it's painful. It It is painful, but you and I both know from all of our reading in Dallas, Lord, that this is a point that, mm-hmm. about. you know, gosh, God, God wants to perfect uh, Christ in the leader. And Mark, you came up with a brilliant idea for us in our own AAC clergy wellness and, and clergy care groups. You know, we've been doing these clergy care groups. We've got so many of them now over a hundred clergy involved in these weekly groups, but sometimes as a result of your having gone through um, celebrate recovery, you know, there's deeper issues that, that clergy are wrestling with. Um, can you say a little bit about what we're, what we're doing to enhance clergy wellness? Yeah, I think in, in, in our efforts, both in the area of um, developing faithful leaders, it's just a, a core value and strategy for us as the American Anglican Council, but also in the recognizing in the always reforming category, there is this seemingly fairly common problem of clergy uh, misconduct and it, com- it comes up and it doesn't seem to be getting it's not going away. So anyway, we, we have a heart for preventative care. Like how can we develop faithful leaders? How can we help clergy at every level um, get those areas of their life healed from the Lord and transformed so that they, before they act out in, in ways that would misconduct and that would potentially they'll lose their ministry or Hurt, hurt, harm victims and and all, all the things that are horrible that we see happen. So we want to prevent. And so that's, I think, at the heart of the clergy care groups is is that preventative care, giving clergy safe places to to share, to, to, to look at their lives using Jeff Chapman's curriculum based on Dallas Willard's work. And so that's really great. And I think that those clergy care groups you just mentioned do a great job of helping clergy be real, have a safe place to, to look at those areas of their life they need to be working on with Jesus' help. But having said that, we also recognize that there that that that's not enough sometimes. And so there are clergy who struggle with various addictions. I, I mean, I'm convinced through my work with Celebrate Recovery for well over a decade is that we we all we all have addictions. Everybody's addicted to something. Some people's addictions are just more socially acceptable because it could be Amazon shopping, for example. Right. right. You know, uh, if 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 you're if if someone is. I'm, I feel pain. I'm, I have this emotional hurt of some level. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to address that. So let me 
look at my phone or go on Facebook more, or let me go buy something on Amazon right. to escape those feelings and to escape that hurt uh, and, and shove that away, then that's an addiction. You're using something to escape when again, the it's alcohol or drugs, but again, sex, unfortunately is, is a very common uh, means of escape or for people to, to, uh, you know, lust, pornography, all those kind of things is to say, I don't like this feeling. I'm, I'm hurting. Um, I have pain. I'm stressed, um, whatever it is. So, but if I go look at this pornography, um, then I temporarily feel better. I temporarily have this sense of like, uh, and, and again, it's sin. It's, but it's, it's an, it's, it's an addiction. Again, I go back to the Amazon shopping. It's like, there's that feeling you get that little, you know, little adrenaline rush or whatever, uh, when the package comes, that kind of thing. So, yeah. so you're looking for something else to fill your needs. And so anyway, that being said, we've, um, we've are creating, we're in the process of creating and then to launch, um, hope maybe by later in the fall, but certainly by the beginning of the new year, what we're calling clergy recovery groups. And so these are, these are going to be safe groups where clergy, um, who identify, uh, an addiction of some sort that they're struggling with, where they can, they can, uh, safely contact us. It will be, it will be me specifically to get plugged into these groups where they can address these areas of struggle, these addictions, um, without fear of losing their ministry. Again, preventative, if they, you know, if it comes out, they've done something or there's, there's something that's, uh, needs to be brought to the light, uh, obviously illegal or anything like that, that's different. But I mean, if, if, if it's like, I'm struggling, nothing's happened yet. I haven't, you know, done anything misconduct wise. I haven't, uh, that then, let's get that fixed. Let's get you healed and, um, and prevent uh, any misconduct from happening. And, and so we're excited about those groups uh, being offered. It's important. So, so Mark, what would you say to a Bishop who's feeling conflicted because he's become aware that, um, you know, one of his clergy persons is addicted or, or struggling in this area. What, what would you say to that Bishop? Say to have him, have that priest contact us at the American Anglican Council and contact me me directly at mldridge at americananglican.org and uh, let's get them some help. Let's get them in, in, into recovery. Uh, obviously, there's recovery groups all over the place um, in local communities, but clergy, for clergy, it, yeah, I think there's you know, any, anytime there's an addiction, there's shame involved, but I think, I think for clergy, we we're supposed to be better. And, and so anyway, so have them, have them get help quickly. Uh, They can also reach out to um, Bishop Thad Barnum. um, If they're in real crisis, Bishop Thad has a great ministry of, of, of what, you know, I think we call crisis care. So we're working collaboratively with Bishop Thad and others, to help help any clergy out there who are struggling with any um, any addiction at any level. Yeah, yeah. Bishop, I can't say but, about Bishop Thad's soul care, and Bishop John Miller is working with him on that as well. It's a, it's a great resource, and I think with these clergy recovery care groups, we're going to begin to address some of the reasons why we know, Mark, from statistics, why so many clergy are bailing out every month. Mm-hmm. Because it's just the the loneliness, the conflict, the isolation, the frustration are just are just overwhelming. 
and we need yeah. kinds of support groups. Absolutely. And again, it, it's not, it's complicated in the sense it's hard to overcome addictions. It's hard to overcome sin, you know, in our lives, it's, yeah. but it's not complicated in the solution, which is ultimately it comes back to Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. Um, and, and, and really finding if, if you're so satisfied in every way in your relationship with Christ, uh, that he's meeting every need in your life, which he wants to and can, then you don't, you won't need whatever that thing is you think you need. And so being able to, to just come back to basics in a lot of ways and help people uh, be so in love with Jesus. And again, I'm repeating myself here, but, but so getting the, getting satisfied in him uh, with the living water, I'm being so, so satisfied in that, that that living water bubbles up from within. I don't need anything externally. I don't need pornography. I don't need um, uh, an extramarital relationship. I don't need more stuff on Amazon. I don't need right. fill in the blank um, drugs or alcohol. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied in Christ, which again, I think is ultimately what we're trying to achieve as we prepare to be with him forever. Sure. Sure. But we're going to help people with that. Yeah. And that's, that, that's a wonderful ministry that we're offering at the AAC since we're sort of drawing towards the end of our, our podcast, let me just close with a couple of observations. Uh, And this is more for bishops. I think number one is that this is a really tough area uh, that bishops have to deal with. And we are offering September 20 through 24, a gathering in Colorado Springs called the Bishops Leadership Institute. We've got over 15 new and uh, uh, current uh, ACNA diocesan bishops to talk about these kinds of issues and to, and to discuss the ins and outs and what are the dangers, the minefields, uh, best practices. Um, and this is something the AAC is doing for the province mm-hmm. to, to, to make this available. Secondly, um, I want to say a little something about the article that was published by a canon theologian for C4SO, Scott McKnight, called Survivor Driven Church Discipline in Christianity Today in July. Uh, it's, uh, it's an article that uh, is very concerning because it basically says that um, a Christiform response to allegations is one in which the church surrenders for the good of the others, the survivor, Uh, More often than not, power is where it all breaks down. The priest-led church or anyone making these decisions doesn't want to surrender power. It makes the powerful person uh, vulnerable. And this is, frankly, an artifact and a feature of critical theory, which Mm -hmm. is a worldview that is completely opposed to the narrative, meta-narrative of the gospel, which is all about the goodness of creation, uh, the sinful fall, the redemption through Jesus, and then the restoration that we read about in Revelation and elsewhere. Critical theory is quite simply not critical enough because it assumes the goodness of human nature of the oppressed being freed uh, from the oppressor. And it's remarkable that in this article that was published in Christianity Today, there's not one biblical reference and not one recognition of the unique purpose of church discipline 
to make people better disciples. Mm-hmm. So I just want to encourage um, our bishops and others in the uh, in the process to realize that uh, you can't assume that anyone connected with the church is an oppressor, uh, that there's no possibility for the church as an institution to carry out fair and impartial investigations, uh, or for the church to surrender presumptions of innocence, burdens of proof, due process, and justice. We need mm-hmm. it. And as a, a great canonist in the Church of England said to me in 2011, when we first presented our Constitution and Canons for review by the Church of England, he said, these are magnificent. I have only one question for you, Canon Ashi. Do you actually live into them? We need to live into these. Yes. And we need to, to take Title IV, Canon Three seriously and suss it out and figure out exactly what we need to do to be fair and impartial and to honor both the, the accusations and the, uh, and the survivors uh, while at the same time not removing uh, due process and presumptions of innocence and burdens of proof. Yes. Well, that's a great uh, way to close, Kenneth Phil, and uh, I just appreciate your your knowledge on all of this information and being able to share it with with the the church. So, uh, well, I'm Canon Mark Eldridge, and again here with Canon Phil Ashey with the American Anglican Council. Thanks for joining us today. I uh, hope you keep checking back in for these Anglican Perspective podcasts, and we look forward to uh, sharing with you more soon. God bless. God bless you. You've been listening to your Anglican Perspective with Canon Phil and Canon Mark of the American Anglican Council. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and share it so that biblically faithful and orthodox Anglicans can stay connected to the latest news, updates, and inspirations from around the world.